through all the static. ASI247.org is the website. My name is Russ Shaw. Welcome. If I can be an example of getting sober, then I can be an example of starting over. If I can be an example of getting sober, then I can be an example of starting over. Yes, I played some of that song in the last episode, getting honest about some of my own struggles in my healing journey the last five years. And while the compulsion stage, uh, I've moved on from that, I myself, as well as my wife, are in the healing phase of our sexual life. Really, the new approach for this Season season six um, is not so much about looking at this as addiction. So that song, uh, Macklemore wrote that song about chemical dependency. That song's called Starting Over and ASI247.org or if you do Spotify, search for ASI Podcast Bumps. And you can hear the songs in their entirety as well as follow the bands. See when they're coming to your town throwing that out there. Keep my, uh, keep my nose clean with the recording industry, hopefully. This show being about sexual integrity or getting past sexually compulsive behavior, there's a lot more to it than just being sober. And there's some good news in that because there's a richness to the understanding and healing and getting into the emotional parts of this thing. The heart getting out of the head and into the heart. If you're in your head, you're dead, right? Heard that from a sex therapist in the, in the act of having a, a more enriching sex life. If you're in your head, you're dead. A lot of us, man, just trying to escape our heads. I think that's where a lot of this compulsive behavior comes from. And it has a lot more to do with that relationship that we have with ourselves and our own bodies than it does with carrying a date, starting over, um, getting back what we lost. Uh, Less of that and more connection and attachment. Less fighting a war. I'm so used to that kind of language. Gotta fight this thing, man. Love this tune. Let me uh, Black Panther The Weekend with Kendrick Lamar Getting on some of the spiritual side Today this song is called Pray For Me Here you go I'm always ready for a war again Go down that road again It's all the same I'm always ready to take a life again
fight the world, I fight you, I fight myself. I fight God, just tell me how many burdens left. I fight pain and hurricanes, today I wept. I'm trying to fight back tears, flood on my doorsteps. Yes, little theme music for today's podcast. Recording this in the car, by the way, going back to the old way of doing things, right? The old shows. It's where I do some of my best thinking is uh, right here in the car. Uh, I'm your host, Russ Shaw, by the way. Did I mention that? I don't know. Well, it has a new attitude. show has a different... It's Over the years, the ASI podcast, as a body of work, let's just say it's had to lose some weight. <laughs> right? And uh, some of those older shows... It, listen, if you're, if you're listening right now because you heard some of my amendment to episode number one of this podcast, and we're on season six now, there's been over 400 episodes. This is not like a television show on Netflix, all right? Uh, you don't have to start an episode one to know what's going on. As a matter of fact, um, starting in episode six, like I was uh, kind of urging some of you to do. Wait, had to stop there a second. Season six, not episode six. Season six, you guys probably get it anyway. Uh, Because I've learned a lot in 12 years. That's right, 12 years of podcasting. Uh, This thing started in 2005. All right, that's before that's before Facebook was a thing. Okay, so that was uh, in internet years, right? You have like dog years, and then you have internet years. And internet years is like a hundred years old. Okay, the ASI podcast for reals. Um, <laughs> I refer to uh, uh, oh man, I can't even remember one of the first social media sites back in the day. Uh, what was the name of it? Dear God, it's escaping me. It's been irrelevant for so long, I've even forgot the name of... Oh, MySpace. That's right. MySpace was was probably one of the first social media. That was, that was what kicked off social media. You could have your own personal MySpace page. Uh, there was a futurist that said that when the internet was first coming out and web pages started to become a thing... This guy said everyone, pretty much everyone by the year 2000 would have their own internet page. And I think it was a little later than that, maybe 2010, uh, 2015, I don't know. But Facebook, right, did that. That's kind of what Facebook did. Um, anyway, I'm not. This, this show today is not about the history of the internet, but this is a kind of rebooting of this podcast, right? So getting to the roots of things is what I really wanted to get to. And a lot of the, uh, again, not to keep repeating myself and being redundant, but the, uh, the idea of getting rid of this word sex addiction, these two words, this title, this way of identifying and uh, thinking about uh, intimacy and intimacy disorder and what may have gone wrong when it comes to our um, understanding of our sexuality, our appetites. Um, So yeah, the show is about not just 
getting free. Uh, I used those words in the past uh, because there's something to that. We can get dizzy with our freedom. <laughs> I think it was a philosopher named Kierkegaard said that, that, that freedom can be a, a dizzying thing for a lot of people. And uh, I think he was right. And that brings us to the topic of this here episode. It is Easter season as I'm recording this. And it's a personal kind of a time of year, holiday. Um, I, I'm still a Christian, right? I, I identify as a Christ follower. It's hard to identify as a Christian because that, that word has so much so much baggage, right? Um, I kind of want to take it back. I want to take that word back. Uh, but I guess in, here in the Seattle area, I more feel comfortable identifying as a Christian mystic spiritual anarchist at this point in my life. So Easter for me is a, a, a holiday, it's a time of year, it is a observance that is dear to my heart. And over the years doing podcasts on this topic, I wanted to tell you where I land now because it gets into some of this stuff when I talk about intimacy disorder and how we think about relationships, um, the anxiety around social aspects of relationships, <laughs> big time when it comes to this topic and when it comes to uh, the idea, and this is maybe a show more for the Christian listeners, I don't know. I, if you're not Christian, I want you to stick with me on this because I think it's important what I have to share here philosophically, alright? So, uh, the, the, the philosophy in you, if there's a philosopher in you, uh, I'd like you to ride along with us uh, Christians as I unpack some of the show and how we think about freedom and the uh, the one that set the captives free, so to speak. What does that mean? Because again, I go back to the uh, the philosopher Kierkegaard, who talks about there can be some dizziness in freedom. This is a uh, this is a cover by a band called Dick Brave and the Backbeats, covering the old George Michael's. Freedom. There you go. Holy listeners. Heaven knows I was just a young boy. Didn't know what I wanted to be. I was every little hungry schoolgirl's pride and joy. I guess it was enough for me. Yes, it was enough for me. To win the race, a prettier face. Brand new clothes and a big fat place on your rock and roll TV. Say the way I play the game has got to change, oh yeah I think I'm gonna get myself happy I think there's something you should know I think it's time I told you so There's something deep inside of me There's someone I forgot to be Take back your pictures and the brain Take back your singing and the rain Just hope you understand Sometimes close to not make a man Take these lies and make 
lights are down So please don't give me up Gotta have some faith in sound So one good thing that I got I won't let you down So please don't give me up Cause I would really, really love to stick around No other brand has And today's show Oh yeah, it's gonna be a genre bender for sure. <laughs> you don't know what to expect. And listen, today's show, we're going to talk about some things philosophically and theologically, but I don't want it to be too heady, all right? Like, you don't have to agree with me on all this stuff, you know? There's this idea of the shopping cart analogy, right? The grocery store. Just because you're listening to this and you're in the ASI grocery store doesn't mean you have to take everything off the shelves, right? I talked about that in some of the, the early shows. Um, but, but I will say this. Um, this is a big one, all right? If you think things are going to radically change in your life while you still are holding on to some stubborn, deeply rooted ways of understanding things like security and relationship, things like like forgiveness, uh, the relational attributes of how you've done your life up till now. Listen, some worldview stuff is probably going to need to shift, all right? And that, and that stuff is pretty deep. And if it doesn't shift, uh, you know, I just have to, I love you enough to challenge you in the way that you think about some of this stuff, because I think it really is important. And if you're, again, if you're not willing to, to alter some of your worldview, are you really interested in <sighs> that word freedom? <laughs> right? Again, we get into the word freedom and we're going to unpack some of that today because again, pray for me. I love this song. Uh, saw the movie Black Panther, great flick. And this, uh, and this tune got, gets to me in the heart of a dude like myself. Some great lyrics here. Who need a hero? Hero. You need a hero. Look in the mirror. There go your hero. Who on the front lines at ground zero? Hero. My heart don't skip a beat even when hard times bumps the needle. Mass destruction and mass corruption. The souls are suffering men. Clutching on deaf ears again. Rapture is coming. It's all prophecy and if I gotta be sacrificed for the greater good then that's what it gotta be. pray to me. Take my pain to me. Listen, I'll be honest, if your heart, right, some of this root stuff, stuff rooted in your heart, worldview stuff, all right, I'm just being honest, I'm, I'm just telling you what I've seen in people that I've seen some radical change in, all right, some people that have done some, some serious healing work. Transformation happens when pressure is put on 
an individual or a situation and that's some of what I'm getting after here. Yes, you don't have to listen to anything I say and I'm not your authority and I don't pretend to be and I'm not a guru, right? I'm a guy who's been on a journey and for my own sanity I've had to tear down some 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 big things. I've had to let go of some huge weights. And a lot of that was theological, you know. Um, losing religion to gain real, tangible, relational faith. There's something to that, man. Some of what this show's about. You want to see transformation? Yet we want to stay in old ways of thinking, reacting, relationally thinking about ourselves and others. So the God who started started this restoration, recovery process in my heart, that God is different than the God that I was taught about as a young man, all right? And, uh, and I want to talk about that God some here, okay? That's what this here podcast you're listening to right now is about. Listen, here's the deal. Um, I do not believe spiritually, theologically, some of the things that I did when I started the show, all right? And a lot of that has to do with the healing work that I've done. Um, and it is work, man. It is It is. It is work. <laughs> okay. We'll just leave that there. Uh, we'll get back to that later. Um, some of the healing work I've done uh, and, and some of the people I've got to interact with over the years in realizing other understandings of my faith as a, as a Christ follower. Uh, th- there's, there's a lot of people that follow this Jesus that believe a lot of different stuff, all right? And some of the stuff that I grew up in was fairly toxic, all right? Uh, the way I thought about God, the, the lover of my soul and the creator of the universe, had some, some jacked up negative ways of relating, all right? My anxieties could be stirred just by thinking about this relationship with God the Father, God the Son. What, what, what does the Holy Spirit do? Really? I mean, come on. What is that? I really didn't have a good understanding uh, of, of that relationship that God has with God's self. <laughs> right? So, this is sort of a show where we're going to get into some philosophy and... and, and theology, but I think it's really important. Um, Basically, I don't believe in uh, something that happened. This is part of coming out of Mars Hill Church. Now, those of you who haven't heard the early shows, uh, I went to a church called AC3 when I started the show. Uh, You know, it's got human beings in it, so is it perfect? No. 
Okay, it's got its issues. Um, I'm back there now. Do I agree with everything the pastor says? No, uh, but it's still cool, right? Like we could still stay in the room with difference there at the church, uh, even though Russ may be in a different place theologically than Rick or Dan, uh, both guys I've had on this this show in the past. Uh, but I went to Mars Hill Church for a while. Why? Uh, because it was. They did a lot of more work. They were a mega church, right? At the time when I started going there in 2006, and uh, they did some good work with addicts at the time, and I really dug that, got into that. Um, it was also sort of the hip place to be in the Seattle area. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. It was the kind of cool church where the pastor said a swear word or two and wore, you know, like t-shirts from popular Seattle bands and other rock bands, right? He he was, uh, you know, I, I dug the guy, and so I kind of latched on to some of his theology, and some of that, in the long run, wasn't good for me. Long story short, the whole Mars Hill Church uh, broke apart in 2014. It no longer exists, mainly because the pastor had some shady, misleading things that he did with with church money, uh, paid a quarter of a million dollars to get his book on the New York Times bestseller list, a book I talked about on this show, being a New York Times bestseller, before I knew that they actually hired a company to have that happen. Uh, hid that from the church. Didn't want folks knowing about that, obviously. Um, also, Mark has his own anger issues, control issues. The guy was a bully, kind of freaking out on people behind the scenes, not kind of a lot. Um, some things that had to do with, uh, oh, what is the word? It's a word in publishing, Russ. What is that? Um, plagiarism, all right? Uh, he had some issues with that. And that affected some people who directly are in relationship with me. So there's something to that. Uh, um, so yeah, I left that church in yeah 2014, right before the whole thing fell. And so that church no longer exists. But they taught this theological concept that I'm going to talk about now. And if you're a Christian guy or gal, you go to a church or you grew up in a system of belief that, that deals with this, uh, that's why I want to talk about it. It's actually called penal substitutionary atonement, all right? And a part of it comes up around Easter because Jesus going to the cross, dying for our sins, what does that mean? And how is that unpacked in the realm of relationship? And how Christians think about this, I think it has a lot to do with why... Uh, a lot of folks struggle with pornography addiction. Really, Russ? Man, I've studied psychology for the last 10 years. I've listened to numerous lectures from per very prestigious schools on psychology. I'm not telling you that I know everything. This is not digital counseling, right? I'm not your therapist, all right? I am just a dude on a journey. This is my personal blog. This is some of the stuff I'm dealing with. This is the stuff I've struggled through. And I'm telling you that this, this relationship with God kind of thing, when you get into PSA, it's called penal substitutionary atonement, really jacked with my thinking 
of the God who's who's loved me and repaired it continues to repair my broken screwed up heart all right not just my broken heart but my heart that shattered like a freaking light bulb into a million bazillion pieces and I was so wrecked that I didn't even know where to start picking up those pieces Seasons change up now Grounds now When one's heart creates one soul Doesn't help And so I'll wash away Stains of yesterday Then tempt my heart With love's display if I'm honest. That gave me a nice warm place to hide. My shame, my guilt, I would, I would, I would lay in there. I would lay in there and, you know, like a box that I would climb into. God doesn't really get me or love me and that's why Jesus came and Jesus is the good guy God's the bad guy and that's not how the story goes yes that tune is called forgive by collective soul um does God really forgive if God the father who is so divinely holy he can't come in any contact with you. Sinful you, right? This is some of the theology of Calvin, John Calvin, uh, total depravity, right? And, and I'm not in total disagreement with some of that theology, just so you know. Uh, do I think we're all precious snowflakes? Uh, there's something to that language. All right, we're all unique <laughs> to some certain degree, but some of you, 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 you know, might giggle when you hear me say that because there's some of that in our uh, American, anyway, uh, culture. This this idea that everybody's just precious, pure as the driven snow, right? Um, this is also not a purity show. <laughs> I'm not I'm not doing sexual purity over here. It's not what we're talking about. Uh, there is some elements to that. Like I, I'd rather you drink uh, something that's not toilet water, right? So we could talk about purity a little bit. But back to the topic. PSA. Um, Again, penal substitutionary atonement. This is the idea that God the Father sent the Son to die on the cross and spill blood for the forgiveness of sin. Is that 
is that forgiveness. Now, what I'm talking about here is the theology of orthodoxy. So the Orthodox Christian Church is actually the oldest organization of humans doing something organized <laughs> in the history of humanity, all right? It, it is, it, that still exists today, all right? And so when you talk about organizations that are still around, the Orthodox Christian Church could be traced all the way back to the, the apostles, the disciples. Um, the roots of the church are, are very, very old. And so the theology I'm going to discuss today is one of the Orthodox Church. Now, am I Orthodox? You know, I like the theology, but I'll be honest, I'm not Mr. Bells and Smells and pageantry, all right? I don't attend an Orthodox Church. I attend AC3. <laughs> We've talked about that. Um, Allen Creek Community Church, that's what that stands for. And I dig some of the people there because I've done relationship with them in the trenches. And... Uh, even though we don't agree on everything. Um, I may agree theologically with the Orthodox Church much more theologically, but do I see the Orthodox Church as a safe place for jacked up people like myself who may not uh, uh, respect dudes in robes and long beards, right? And, and guys who have a lot of, I don't know, a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> There's just a lot of homework and uh, ritual and liturgy. I, you know, I dig liturgy. I'm a liturgy guy. And by say, and when I say that, I mean um, it's spring, right? Easter, that's a time of the season. Liturgy simply means a, a mark in the calendar, a turning of the seasons. This is liturgy. This is how God's creation um, cycles. That's how, uh, th that's kind of liturgy in a nutshell. Russ defining, <laughs> Russ Shaw, your host, defining liturgy. Um, going back to forgiveness, um, the idea that God needs blood to forgive you. Um, is kind of what a lot of reformers taught. This idea first popped up in the 11th century, so about a thousand years old. Uh, where did it come from and why? Uh, now, I'm not going to break into all of the nutsy, boltsy names because I don't remember all that stuff and I didn't take a lot of notes <laughs> for this show. I did share a video. If you go to Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection... Uh, that's the Facebook page for this here podcast. You can look up a video by a dude called Greg Boyd. He's a pastor, and he uh, he unpacks this really well, better than I do, because he's probably been to seminary, <laughs> right? I've listened to seminary lectures. Am I a seminarian who's graduated from some religious institution? No, I'm not. So going back to the topic, um, penal substitutionary atonement, if so, in relationship, forgiveness is something that we do if we're going to stay in real, deep relationships with other human beings. Um, let me promise you something. If you make friends, it, it, and that, that friendship goes on for a period of time, that person's going to piss you off or get under your skin, and they may even hurt you significantly. Um, if you're married, if you get into a relationship, a romantic relationship with someone, 
that person's going to hurt you, all right? They're not going to... The people, again, we're going back to some of Calvin's stuff, right? We've got some depravity in us. We are ego freaks. A lot of us are insecure, and we put up walls, and we have, we have, we're like a cactus sometimes, and we poke people in the wrong ways. We hurt people. All of us do it, and we do it in the realm of relationship. Um, some of you are listening because... You know, a lot of guys, especially, I'm afraid of commitment. Why is that? Probably because you got hurt. And am I saying you got to forgive or whatever? Uh, your your ex? We could talk about that. That's a whole nother show. Um, staying on topic here. The, you know, the relationship that you have with God the Father, Jesus going to the cross, this is a demonstration of love. And it is a, it has elements of transaction. Ransom is paid, right? There's all this, there's all this language of economy. But if my kids do something that offends me, do they have to you know, pay it back? No, not necessarily, you know? Uh, do I make them pay? There's something to this idea of forgiveness that is relational and is it is letting go. It's letting go of a debt. In the Old Testament, God forgives over and over again. He tells, like, there's economically, there's this year of jubilee, right? There's a, there's a forgiveness of debts for poor people by rich people that they must do. It's commanded in Scripture in some of this Old Testament stuff. Now, when it gets to the bloodletting, all right, when animals are sacrificed in the Old Testament, one of the things that you got to ask is why was that written down? Like, why did they do that? The book of Jonah is a great one. If you want to do some Bible study and explore some of this idea of forgiveness, relationship with God, and um, relationship, <laughs> like that's a big word. I'm going to keep mentioning that word over and over again because I believe that we worship a relational God, us Christians, a, a God who wants to be in our stuff with us. That's that's the demonstration that was made on the cross. That's the view of the cross. Um, but was it because God needed Jesus to pay? For us, all right, is God a cigar-chomping loan shark, you know, asking for his pound of flesh from his little boy Jesus? Um, no, that's not what's going on. That is not what's going on. Um, again, going back to the Old Testament, there's scriptures. Again, Greg Boyd unpacks this very well. There's these scriptures that say... Um, God isn't looking out. He's not like wanting you to burn animals. Uh, there's this fragrance. Oh, God smells the fragrance. Again, why was that written down? Who is it written by? What in the book of Leviticus, God is is submitting to humans. All right, when humans are sacrificing animals to Yahweh who is God the Father in the Trinity, 
they're doing it because that's the cultural norm, man. That's what they did back then. If your crops are failing and you're, you know, there's a famine or a drought, usually folks thought of the gods. The gods are need appeasing, and so they would sacrifice animals. Sometimes in cases they would sacrifice people, and they did this all over the world, all right? From the ancient Egyptians to the Aztecs, um, uh, tribes in the Congo. I mean, going back thousands of years, bloodletting sacrifice was just the norm, the social norm of appeasing the gods. So it's not unusual that that's how that got tied into the Christian faith. A thousand years after Jesus died, right? People exploring the Old Testament and having to explain this angry, bloodthirsty God. Again, was God the Father angry and bloodthirsty in the Old Testament? Again, I'm going to remind you, why was that written down? All right. Why was that written down? Think about it. Think about how those ancient cultures were trying to process their relationship with God back then, before the cross. The cross is a demonstration of God not being in the sin accounting business anymore. All right, I'm using some of the words of Nadia Boltz Weber, who, who also is a pastor in Colorado, in Denver, who uh, she unpacks this a lot better than I do as well. That's God on the cross, demonstrating love. All right, that's what that is. That's a demonstration of love that we see on Easter. It's Good Friday as I'm recording this, and and man, it, just thinking about it, it, it my heart. There's something to the spiritual reality of God loving us like that. Going to the cross. Not to pay a debt that the Father put out there because it had to be paid. Okay, again, that would be like the the story of the running father. That's how I unpack it here in... uh, (laughs) <laughs> on the ASI podcast. A lot of churches will call it the prodigal son story. Uh, if you look in a lot of Bibles, you know, it'll be under the heading, the prodigal son. It's an Old Testament story that Jesus uh, reiterates. All right. And in the prodigal son story, he comes back to the father. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. All right. It's a great, it's a beautiful story. Um, but he comes back to the father. He he lived a life of sin. All right, to use that word, prostitutes. He 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 basically rejected his dad. Said, "Hey, I don't want to wait around for you to die. So why don't you just give me my inheritance now, so I can move to Vegas and just party my ass off?" So he does that. He moves to Vegas. He parties his ass off. He sleeps with a bunch of prostitutes. He does a lot of drugs. He spends all of the money. And then he's living on the streets, and he's sleeping in pig stalls, eating the food of pigs, all right? Because that's... the Okay, this is metaphorical. This is Russ's translation of the prodigal son story. He didn't actually move to Vegas, right? You know what I'm saying. Um, But he spent the money, and he did it in a partying sort of a... uh, uh, I don't know, a motley crew kind of a... 
way. I, I, right? The partied it away. All of the money. The, no more money. Um, it was his dad's money. And he goes back to his dad seeking forgiveness. That's what the story's about. He goes to his father seeking restoration of the relationship. And his dad... This is why I call it the running father story. When his dad sees him coming, sees his contrite heart, right? Like, just to go back to his dad after he thought he knew everything when he really didn't um, was a tough thing for this, this man. He goes back to his dad reeking of pig shit, right? I mean, he was sleeping with pigs, this guy. But when his father sees him coming up the road, he runs to him. Now, this father was a, a successful man, a wealthy man. He wore a certain robe that he had to actually pull up. This was sort of a like a humiliation thing. Like he was he was being humble in this. I mean, he pulls up his tunic to run to his son. More than likely, tears in his eyes, seeing his son and feeling this this rush of gratitude and just, oh my God, thank God you're here. We're going to kill the fatted calf, right? What the running father doesn't do is ask for the visa bill, right? <laughs> like, hey, by the way, you know, you spent all that money of mine. When am I going to get that back? Does he say that? Is there any mention of some kind of blood sacrifice? There's killing the fatted calf, but that's for a feast and a party. There's going to be wine, there's going to be partying. There's an older brother in this scenario who's kind of like the religious person who may be, uh, right, going, oh, you're forgiving that guy? Seriously? Like, he's got debts to pay. Like, I've been here all along being obedient and faithful to you, Father, and here you are forgiving Mr. Party Animal, you know, guy over there, right? Mr. Uh, Hangover 3. You're forgiving him while I've been here lighting candles and uh, only sleeping with my one person, right, all my life. And I deserve some kudos, right? You get what I'm saying? The older brother in this scenario. So the older brother later on in life, uh, he became this guy who came up with penal substitutionary atonement. I'm just that's not true. All right, I'm, I just made that part up. I'm being, I'm being a little bit facetious there when I mentioned that. Um, but that's really what I wanted to to touch on in this episode, and wh what I wanted you listeners to understand. Uh, God is in the restoration business. All right, that's what Jesus dying on the cross represents. Total depravity in relationship is met with restoration, all right? It's met with recovery. It's met with love on display, all right? That's the cross. That's the story of the running father. And this is not a, a an economic thing, all right? It's more of a consciousness thing. Are you awake to that love that God has for you that is demonstrated on the cross? That you would understand through that 
that God is not in the sin accounting business. Your shame, your shame was ended there on the cross that, that glorious day. And all that authority that was handed down through all the people that shamed you over the years, that made you feel like less than garbage, that made you feel like shit about yourself, man, that's how I felt. There's some sermons that I heard, man, that just had me feeling like just total garbage. Did it make me go, oh, I need Jesus? You know, some of it did, I'll be honest. Some of it had me uh, with a broken and contrite heart, but not understanding fully my relationship with the Father. Who is there to restore me? And that restoration is not through me feeling like a piece of garbage, like snow-covered dung. You know, I think I've even said that on this show before in the past. Um, I am not a believer in that kind of relationship that God the Father doesn't see us like that. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are loving in relationship with one another in a kind of circle dance, the Trinity, breaking this dualistic thinking of economy. A debt is owed, a debt must be paid. That's black and white thinking. What is the Holy Spirit doing in that scenario? Can I ask you that? Some of you guys who, who think about, right? There's some of you right now, as you listen to my voice, you're probably having something bristle up inside you and you're feeling defensive about penal substitutionary atonement. You want to defend it. There's something rising up in you that wants to defend it. And again, I'm not saying you have to agree with me on all this stuff and we can agree to disagree, all right? But why, why would you want to defend it, <laughs> right? Again, for me, I just wanted to feel like crap about myself, if I'm honest. That gave me a nice warm place to hide. My shame, my guilt, I would, I would, I'd lay in there. I would lay in there and, you know, like a box that I would climb into. God doesn't really get me or love me. And that's why Jesus came. And Jesus is the good guy. God's the bad guy. And that's not how the story goes. Um, some of this thinking started to shift around the time that I had Paul Young on the podcast. Um, the guy that wrote The Shack. All right. Yeah, I know some of you are rolling your eyes. Oh, the guy that wrote The Shack. Yeah, that's a piece of fiction. That's a fictional book, but it's orthodox theology to the core. And Paul said that on that show. It's true. It's just not real. It's a huge metaphor. Jesus spoke in metaphor most of the time. And metaphors, analogies, um, these are like, these are like explosives in the world of meaning. All right. Uh, Peter Rollins was a guy I got to interview got to hang out with, which was pretty awesome. He's a philosopher and theologian from Northern Ireland. And he talked about how, how parables are like an artwork. They're a piece of artwork. And for, there's a lot of pastors who like to explain them. You know, they'll read a parable and they'll say, let me tell you what this means. Um, probably one of the most famous parables in all of Christendom is the prodigal son story. They talk about it in movies. Oh, the prodigal has come home, right? You're going to know 
what's what's being said based on the story of the prodigal son. That is from the Bible. That's a parable that Jesus used. But why did he use it? Again, why was that written down, that story, that, that thing that Jesus said? Here's another uh, parable, kind of analogy that Jesus used a lot that, uh, you know, you hear today. It's kind of common. Um, those who have eyes, let them see. Those who have ears, let them hear. Um, Jesus used this parable of the blind leading the blind, right? He was talking about the religious elites of his day. Um, Jesus wasn't killed by the Jews. Jesus is a Jew, all right? He's a Jew. That's, he, had, he was a brown guy. I talk about that a lot in the podcast because it's important. The way we think about God and the history of what was going on when this stuff was written down, it's really important. As far as a theologian is concerned, as a, as a Christian, the mystical part of that is that you're not going to understand the whole Bible. That's where I call myself a mystic, right? Like, if you think you got the Bible all figured out, man, like, that's dangerous. I got into this guy, uh, Wayne Grudem, and I do like the book, uh, his, <laughs> I like the Bible. Um, I like the ESV version of the Bible, I do. It was very well thought out. There's a lot of scholars who got involved in translating that that English translation of the Bible. But I listened to a bunch of lectures by Wayne Grudem, who organized that whole thing. Uh, and that cat thinks he's got the Bible figured out. You know, I stopped listening when I was like, oh, crap, this guy really thinks he's got the Bible figured out. I think that, that there's some heresy in that from my perspective. Um anyone who thinks they got the Bible all figured out, man, this is a relational book. It is written to you. It is written to me. It is God's like love letter. It is people understanding the God of the universe and, and, and working to understand. That's the Old Testament, right? That's the Old Testament. There, there is such rich, loving, restorative theology that that's coming out of the orthodox church and has been for millennia okay millennia plural that's old right now some of you this may drive you back into your bible hopefully i don't know right like uh the book of hebrews is a big one when it comes to this topic um again that that sermon by by greg boyd that's on a heart, mind, love, sex, and affection, the Facebook page. Um, he's going after that piece of scripture. It's called Twisted Scripture. And how uh, Hebrews 6 a lot was twisted into making a lot of folks believe that this confusing relational paradigm of God the Father turning his back on God the Son while he dies and suffers all alone God is never alone. Again, God is in full, perfect relationship with God's self. All right? Going back to that, justice. Was justice served on the cross? You know, if there's no payment for sin, then God's not just. Let's, let's talk about the word justice for a moment, all right? Because I think that's really important, too. 
why do we seek justice? Here's some philosophy for you. Uh, someone goes to jail. There's there's a, a sentence served, and you know we talk about time served. There's an economic kind of language to that, right? Why is that time served? All right, we're gonna get we're gonna go up a level in this thinking of economics and blood being spilled or whatever, right? This their sentence had to be, you know, this debt had to be paid. You had a debt to society. Some ex-cons will say, I paid my debt to society. And they're using, again, that uh, economic language. Uh, when we, but when we talk about justice, why was the debt paid to society? What was being done when that person was locked up and going into jail or whatever? They broke the law, right? I love that old song, uh... I fought the law and the law won. Man, I've been a guy who's bucked authority most all of my life. And in most cases, I'll tell you, the law won. <laughs> I broke the law and the law won. But the law does not exist to control us and to put us under its thumb. The law exists so that humans, that people, that we may be in harmony, right? There is a restorative thing going on when, when, you know, and in my country, it's not done real well. All right. In my country, jail is sort of like a college for, for criminals. There is not a whole lot of rehabilitation going on, even though they use that language. It's about punishment. And that person has a loud car. I'm sure that exhaust system is against the law. <laughs> we got to set things right. Small potatoes, man. Small potatoes and big potatoes. I could do a whole show on that one, too. There's a lot of small potatoes that people just need to, <laughs> just need to get over, let go of. Um, anyway, back to, to the topic. Getting back to justice. The idea of justice, the thinking around justice. I know I'm frustrating for some of you guys, man. I, I, thanks for sticking with me here on this. Um, the reason the convict paid his debt to society is, in, in, in most cases, hopefully, in cases where it's just. We get into, is God just? God is perfect, all-knowing. God is not like the court system. I'm using an analogy here, uh, a metaphor. To blow up your meaning, <laughs> to blow up your idea of PSA, right? Um, God is just in the way that God is working to set things right. The whole creation groans, the Bible says, to the return of Christ, that everything will be set straight in the universe, would be in harmony. You know, harmony is there's a musical metaphor, it comes from ancient Hebrew language, which is a metaphorical language, that things would sound. A musician who works on their craft, man, they want that to sound in harmony. Imago Day, that we are like God's notes on his keyboard, her keyboard, God's keyboard. God isn't a dude. That's another thing I've had to <laughs> really break down in my theology. Jesus is a man, yes, and the cross, God coming into human flesh, man, it, what does he come into? The most, 
the most broken part of us, men. And I'll say men are the most broken. Why? Look around. You talk about criminals and crime. Man, in my country, we have an epidemic of school shootings. This is, this is horrific, horrible. Usually done by white, young men. Um, men are way outnumber women in prisons. Men way outnumber women in sexual dysfunction. All right? Yeah, there's dysfunction in sex and both sexes. But, again, when it comes to criminals and crime and, and abuse and sin, I'll use that word, men, broken, messed up men. So, again, God demonstrating his restorative love comes into the world as a man through the woman Mary, right? You ladies out there, the, the Holy Mother Mary. You know, I'm not Catholic, but I do respect Mary and some of the the love around Mary. Now, I don't think Mary's God, right? Mary's the fourth member of the Trinity. No, uh, I don't believe that. But does that does Jesus being a man make men more varsity? As far as holiness is concerned, look around. Again, look around. Men, brokenness, shame, fear, control. Yeah, women have it too, all right? Eve, getting into some of this really old metaphorical stuff, going back to, to Genesis. Man, I love that. God loves the creator of the universe is love energy. That's what God is. We are in Christ. What does that mean? Christ is in you. You are in Christ. We share that Imago Dei holiness created in the image of God. The Holy Spirit is indwelt in us, Scripture says. God lives in us. Jesus in the book of John, this is really unpopular amongst uh, American evangelicals. Jesus in the book of John, I, it, I think it's around John 10, right? I talk about John 10, 10 a lot on this show. Read the whole chapter, John 10. Jesus is asked, you know, the Pharisees are, why do you want to kill me, right? Like, why are you seeking to, to bring me under your authority and have me executed? Why is that? And they say, because you, a man, say that you're God. You, you put yourself up there with God. You're nothing but a man. That's what uh, the Pharisees are saying to Jesus. And then Jesus quotes the Psalms where David says that we are all gods. That we are God. That the, and he, Again, Jesus is going back to this language of being in Christ, of the indwelt Holy Spirit. Right? He's talking about things future. This is this is the theology that's been around since since the apostles, all right? Man, this language of it's really confusing and I and I don't think it's you know, I don't think it's good to think that way that God is so holy that he can't wrap his arms around you, that God can't love you, that she can't love you even going back to the shack metaphor, 
right? In the book, The Shack, God the Father is, is portrayed as a black woman. Why? Because Paul, in his story, his father was an abusive alcoholic. So for God the Father to present God's self as a man to Paul in that point in his life, right? Would that be the best way for God to communicate his love to Paul in relationship? Played by Octavia Spencer, right? Like that's that's who uh, plays Papa in the film The Shack, uh, which is a great film. I think you should see it. Anyway, but that is an orthodox view of atonement that takes place in The Shack. And it takes place by... God in relationship with God, all right? And it takes place with this man who is broken and hurting, and God does not turn his back on on Jesus, right? Um, actually, in the film, this is a beautiful scene in the film, brought tears to my eyes, where Mac, who's gone through some serious hurt, gone through some serious hurt in his life is having a hard time trusting Papa. Again, played by Octavia Spencer as as God the Father. Um, and saying, uh, he says, you know, you sent your son to die. Like, what? Like, what is that? Right? And And Papa says, I didn't send my son to do anything I didn't do myself. And then she shows her hands to Mac and her scar, the nail scars are in the hands of Papa. Alright? The nail scars are in the hands of Papa. That's orthodox theology. That's God on the cross. That's God on the cross. Can you let your heart sink up with that? God the Father loving you on the cross. God does not repress or suppress God's love for you at this moment in time where you're at. You might feel like a, a grain of sand on a beach compared to all the other billions of people in the world that God's love for you is so incredible. I really believe that with all my heart and soul. That God isn't gone anywhere. God's been with you walking the whole time. God never turns his back on you because of sin. Right? This, this idea that if I run from God, man, God is running right behind us. Does God submit to sinful human beings? Yeah, you know, that's the hard part. Not sure what to do with that sometimes. God doesn't just take out people before they do evil. There's something to the way that this whole relational thing, that all of us being here and having an impact on one another is unfolding. That's the divine mystery. Um, it really is. I don't know if there's anything that, you know, in this episode, the message that I'm trying to get across is not some, you know, intellectual tidbit for you to chew on as much as it's understanding the relational attributes of God, the Father, of God the Father, and, and the, what happened on the cross 
and why. God does not repress or suppress God's love for you at this moment in time, where you're at. I mean, you might feel like a, a grain of sand on a beach compared to all the other billions of people in the world, but God's love for you is so incredible. I really believe that with all my heart and soul, that God isn't gone anywhere. God's been with you walking the whole time. God never turns his back on you because of sin, right? This, this idea that if I run from God, man, God is running right behind us. Does God submit to sinful human beings? Yeah, you know, that's the hard part. Not sure what to do with that sometimes. God doesn't just take out people before they do evil. There's something to the way that this whole relational thing, that all of us being here and having an impact on one another is unfolding that's the divine mystery um it really is god's suffering as a demonstration of love to communicate that god is not in the sin accounting business anymore not god's not there's no angel sitting there with a pencil chalking up every bad thing you do all right that is the trinitarian god of love and that love will shift and move inside you and it will change things over time. It will, it will have you do the courageous work of healing if we stop running from it. If we just let love flood our hearts and change our souls. And that changes the mind, you know? That changes the mind. That's in scripture too. All right. It's translated differently. But uh, the renewing of the mind, the restoration, the recovery, that's what God's after. Not punishment. Not penal. You're not being punished. You're not being punished, man. All the shit that's happened in your life, it's not fucking karma. And I hate that word. I don't hate the word, all right? I get it. Sometimes it looks like it makes sense, karma. But, it, again, it's just, uh, it, uh, yo, what comes around goes around. Um, sometimes it don't, all right? Sometimes it really don't. Sometimes evil people live a lavish, good life without a whole ton of heartache, like they should have, right? If we're to believe in payment and debts being owed and karma, right? Um, no, I don't believe that. It's more about waking up. All right, this is a consciousness thing. This is a, do you have eyes to see and ears to hear over um, a debt being paid? Just throwing that out there. Again, the love of God waking up to that being switched on to the love of God existing and working itself out inside of you as you grow, mature, heal in life, being restored and renewed. And that is show for this week. I wanted to get that off my heart. 
something to communicate that that was churning in there for a while and uh wanted to share that with you guys and that that will change if you're a christian man just wrapping your heart around some of that will will change your outlook will change your view and relationship with your father in heaven all right papa not that god the father is a dude because <laughs> there's there's something to that. This is how it was translated over thousands of years, all right? So um, I really, I, my heart sinks up with, uh, again, this orthodox theology and understanding of the cross. God not thinking I'm a piece of garbage or piece of shit that's covered in snow or whatever Luther said, right? Um, Russ at ASI247.org is the email for this here podcast. I answer back everybody who emails me. If you haven't got an answer from me, it's because something is jacked up with my email. All right. So uh, I have another email address I'll throw at you. If I haven't got back to you, uh, because I, I do, I make it, I really do want to interact with anybody who emails me. Um, so, uh, this new project I started punk theology podcast at Gmail. I know that's long, right? But I will get back to you if you email me on that address for sure. Like that's, that's one that I, I do check as well. And, uh, an, another project I'm doing, that's where I also interviewed Peter Rollins is on that podcast. Me, my friend, Steve, uh, Arthur, John showed up uh, at McMinimans, which is a uh, huge bar-like place in uh, here in the Seattle area. McMinimans. Um, I wanted to leave you guys with a song. This is by an artist named Matt Mayer uh, from the album Alive Again. This song is, uh, I really like this song. It's not like a lot of Christian-y tunes. There's a lot of heart in here. And uh, more of this beautiful understanding of the orthodox view that that C.S. Lewis wrote so wonderfully about um, that that Paul Young writes, writes about in his books. I love those guys and their ability to communicate using story. Um, But again, just getting into the understanding that the creator of the universe doesn't hate you, right? Um, Here you go. Love you guys. I do mean that sincerely. Until next time, bye. Take away the pain If I find someone to blame Would it make my life seem easier? Oh no All my friends are asleep And I can't